1: 257th ever show of all around sports for Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week, this weekend and what's ahead for the week to join the show. The call in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at IIR sports, one word, dot com. as always. I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football. Well, the special sports month of October continues to roll along, and my highlight of the week was Penn State's mega upset of Ohio State on Saturday night, it was a game that I put on upset alert in last Monday's show, and lo and behold, it came to fruition. It was truly an amazing game uh, with the block kicks, block punt for starters, and then a blocked kick and kick six. Going back to the Auburn-Alabama game of a few years back uh, for the winning score, Penn State outscored... Uh, They were down 17 in the fourth quarter, and they outscored them. Uh, So it was just an amazing game to watch. Uh, Penn State is now ranked for the first time since, I believe, 2011. And it was uh, a breakthrough victory for James Franklin in that program. Uh, Happy Valley hasn't had a lot to be happy about in recent years. We all know that. Uh, but Saturday night changed all that. And that scene on the field with uh, uh, the students, the white out, uh, field storming after the game, was really priceless. And I was very impressed with James Franklin and his immediate post game on the field, his press conference afterwards. He Skyped into ESPN Sports Center yesterday, and across the board on all three, he was just, uh, I thought, handled it beautifully. Uh, it was his first signature victory as head coach of Penn State, and uh, it was one that was certainly memorable, uh, to say the least. And it was just part of what was a special Saturday night. Of course, I'm speaking about the Cubs. Uh, making their first World Series in 71 years, which is really my co-highlight of the week. Um, They were both on at the same time. It was great to just be able to switch back and forth to those two uh, compelling compelling sports events. Uh, The storyline was compelling. The Cubs game itself was not compelling. As they, uh, you know, basically scored immediately off Clayton Kershaw and then just built from there and so there was no drama within the game as per se but the overall storyline of them going for their first World Series uh, in 71 years let alone in Wrigley Field made it uh, really a story for the ages and to someone up here in Boston who knows curses well and who lived uh through the 2004 comeback over the Yankees. They're down 3-0. And how exciting that was, which is exactly where the Cubs are at, headed to the World Series. Uh, They simply must finish the job for the story to be complete. Uh, You thought they finished the job the way they were celebrating, uh, especially their fans on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. But yet uh it's a fascinating series which leads into my low light of the week is just simply how the cleveland indians who are playing the Cubs in the world series are beyond playing second fiddle it would just be that would be an understatement uh i don't know if i'd call it disrespect but you know next to the cubs which is just uh you know, a storyline that is really one for the ages, have won 108 years. Uh, the next best story in baseball, as far as waiting, is, of course, the Indians. Uh, they they go back to, I believe, 1948, and uh, they're, they're just getting hardly any props. They're just being completely drowned out by the uh, national interest in the Cubs. I I get it. It's totally, uh, you know, just totally an overwhelming story. It's riveting. And, you know, nobody in America who even cares a whit about baseball, let alone sports history, can take their eyes off it. But, again, I've got a few who believe the Indians are feeling, you know, pretty disrespected, as, as they have throughout this postseason and perhaps even during the whole year. But the way they're playing, the way they dispatch the Blue Jays, let alone the Red Sox, who they swept, uh, is a pretty compelling story in and of itself. So uh, one of these cities is going to be celebrating like there's no tomorrow. Of course, the Indians uh, are against the backdrop of, of course, the Cavaliers. Uh, winning the first championship in like over 50 years for the city of Cleveland just this past June. And the thought of that city adding a second uh, after waiting 50 years and adding a second in the same year is, uh, is great stuff in and of itself. So one way or the other, and they're not that far apart, Cleveland and Chicago. One of those cities is going to be really uh, uh, having a celebration for the ages. Well, my bizarre story of the week was last night's crazy tie between the Cardinals and the Seahawks as both teams missed chip shot field goals at the end of overtime. Uh, Crazy game by any standard. Uh, You know, no touchdowns, uh, 6-6 tie, really, really something you just don't see too often. Uh, Bizarre is the only word you could attach to it. And uh, it led to, of course, what was be my th- my storyline, my theme for yesterday and the, around the NFL, which was anger. Bruce Arians, of course, was angry immediately following the game with uh, the uh, Bobby Wagner jumping over the center to block one field goal and almost got another, uh, and then, of course. Uh, Mike Zimmer, head coach of the Vikings, who lost their first game to the Eagles, basically called out his entire team, (laughs) using the word embarrassed. Um, And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, the quarterback for the New York Jets, just uh, cut loose in his post-game press conference about, uh, you know, how he had to believe in himself because nobody else believed in him. So it was really... uh, Interesting post-game sound coming out of yesterday's NFL games, that's for sure. Well, speaking of the NFL, my NFL player engagement stories of the week and event of the week that I covered was uh, the Dante Hightower Monday Night Football Watch Party, which was the day after he was named AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Talked about this last Monday during the show. Uh, The event was held at Jake and Joe's. In Norwood, Massachusetts, 20 minutes from where I'm speaking to you now and right down the road from Gillette Stadium. It was a great event, packed. It was uh, held to promote awareness for diabetes, and uh, which Dante's mother uh, suffers from, and just a great event all around. Um, high energy. Dante took pictures with basically everybody. As they entered, be it individuals or groups, long line to get in, and uh, a lot of a lot of players showed up, uh, teammates, including Devin McCourty, uh, and it was great. And speaking of Devin McCordy, I will be attending his uh, foundation event tonight, uh, which is going to be benefiting sickle cell anemia and uh so that should be a great event it's in downtown boston and he's held a couple of these before so looking forward to that so it's been a big month for the patriots out in the community of course a couple of weeks ago and i talked about this on the show on the same night i attended a uh jared mayo recently retired uh linebacker from the patriots retired during the off season attended his annual mayo bowl bowling event and then went over to uh, Sled Stadium to cover Julian Edelman doing a football 101 for women's clinic, which was great as well. And other stories that I wrote uh, that are on NFL Player Engagement website at NFL Player Engagement OneWord dot com were a story on Todd Collins former quarterback in the NFL who lives in the next town over here in Walpole, Massachusetts, where he won a state championship. He attended Michigan, played for a few different NFL teams and is now back as the quarterback's coach for Walpole High School, which is uh, one of the most storied programs here in Massachusetts, numerous state titles and uh, a town that's truly known for its tremendous high school football program and also wrote a story on former player Kenny Green and his wife, Tina, uh, partnering for their second facility uh, out in California to treat uh, traumatic brain injury and uh, among other other things. So it's tailored for former athletes uh, from all sports uh all types of addiction and what have you uh, that are treated out there. I'd done a story on them two years ago when they opened when they were partners in their first facility uh, near Houston. So great couple doing great work and uh, great to do a second story on them. And once again, you know the Mayo, Edelman, Hightower stories, as well as Todd Collins, and Kenny and Tina Green stories are all on the NFL Player Engagement website at www.nflplayerengagementoneword.com. And now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, AP Stedham, of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., how you doing today?
4: Oh, doing very well, John. Glad to be here.
1: Glad to have you, as always. And I know you covered the Alabama-Texas A&M matchup on... Saturday afternoon, great game to watch. But before we start there, I do have to uh, reference as I did at the top of the show the Penn State upset over uh, Ohio State. Uh, as you as you will recall, I put that on upset alert last Monday, and uh, uh, I think I had it right. So, quite a game.
4: Yeah, you sure did, John. And I, I was able to see some of that uh, later in the evening, and that front four was taken off at the end of the game they were they were ready to tackle that quarterback they put all kind of pressure on him, and you know that was the difference i think from the part i saw
1: exactly you're well said it was like the good old days of linebacker you even though this was more about the defensive line and uh you know obviously block kicks but signature win for james franklin and uh you know, in my mind, a potential program changer for that uh, victory. Let's, there's no other way to say it other than, you know, games like that, you know, where they might have been close, they've simply lost. They haven't been able to get over the hump. But Saturday night, they finally got over the hump, beating a good Ohio State team, number two team in the country, more than good. And the quarterback you mentioned wasn't just any quarterback, it was J.T. Barrett. So to see them corral him was really stunning, to say the least.
4: Yeah, John, a lot of times when you're trying to rebuild a program, what you can do is look at the top team in your league. Well, it just so happens Ohio State's one of the best in the country, so if you can defeat them, you can get the attention of your fan base, the alumni, the administration, and more importantly, the recruits. So that's definitely a signature win, it sure is.
1: Oh no doubt about it. And by the way, I was I said this at the top of the show too. I was very impressed with James Franklin, how he handled the post game. You know, uh, both on the field immediately following the game and his post game press conference, and even Sunday morning, he skyped into ESPN Sports Center. He's just very humble. Just said all the right things, uh, and just really, I thought, uh, you know, just handled it beautifully. I mean, again, it's his first signature victory at Penn State, and. Uh, you know it was just nice to see him handle you know his big moment in what i thought was such a classy fashion so should be interesting to see where they go from here but you know they they had to have one and they finally got one so uh we'll see again we'll see what develops but uh it was nice to see happy valley happy again it's been a while
4: yeah john you mentioned how he he uh to the to the audience after the game and the, all the people. So that was a delicate situation. It's been so emotional around there, and I was Correct. glad to see what he you know hear what he said. And and it, it was definitely something that helped his program and it made all the people in Penn State feel good.
1: It sure did. And uh, speaking of feeling good, Alabama, you have to be feeling good again as you uh, you know dispatched. Texas A&M. I watched that game. Obviously, you were there and watched it uh, and covered it. But you know, I was very impressed because uh, Texas A&M had a lead. You know, and it's it's always fun to watch a great team like Alabama how they respond to adversity, and they certainly uh, you you know responded very well. And that quarterback is he's just something special with his legs, uh, among other things.
4: Yeah, John. I knew that some, somewhere along the line he was going to have to come from behind, and it was at this home game uh, against Texas A&M, and he made a nifty run there at 37 yards, scramble for um, that last touchdown, put him ahead for the final score, 33-14. But he ran down that sideline, and then he, he cut to the outside and set up his blockers and just danced into the end zone uh, untouched. That he, You know, he continues to impress, and uh, I, I think, John, when you watch him, I'm not sure he's going to be the most accurate passer in, in Alabama history or something of that nature, but he's good enough to win a lot of football games, and he's so poised, and he seems to be just hitting his stride right now, getting ready for another big game in a couple weeks against LSU down in Baton Rouge.
1: Right, and Alabama, of course, has a bye week this week, well-deserved, I might add, and uh, and yeah, I mean, he's a winner, period, you know, you, you know it when you see it, and you, you can already see it with him, you know, half a season or so into his freshman year, that he's just a winner, and you know, as someone who has the good fortune to uh, attend Patriot games over the last number of years... Uh, you know, like Alabama, I mean, you, you know, I go to those games really, really hoping for a good game because so often these teams are both so great that, you know, they're not that competitive, the games. right? So, you know, I'll just go back a couple of weeks to the Bengals game, which was more than competitive until uh, Dante Hightower uh, got rolling and turned that whole game around with a safety. He was named AFC Defensive Player of the Weeks, again, speaking of Alabama players former player and uh you know i have to believe you know that the alabama fans had to be loving not the fact that they were behind but love to see just such a competitive game and just to see what their team is made of and again how they deal with adversity i mean because you you don't get to see it every week
4: no no the crowd was pumped up It was a beautiful day i mean you started to get a little concerned. I mean, that's Trevor Knight. He is a quarterback that has beaten Alabama, yep. albeit with the University of Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl, but he's very talented. Uh, he, he's fast, John. He, he really has quickness and can outrun people. And then he'll he'll make some throws from time to time that are down the field for big yardage. So when he they went up 14-13, you're, you're starting to think, well, I don't know, is this the day Alabama might might be uh struggling to win the game but uh they they ended up coming back and of course they scored their 12th non-offensive touchdown i think there's eight people who scored on defense and eight people have scored on offense john
1: wow i know that that play for the touchdown that, that that obviously you know pretty much sealed the deal and uh that's just a remarkable record. So it's nine touchdowns scored by the defense and then a couple other touchdowns scored by the special teams. Is that right? It's a total yeah, of 12?
4: I uh, yeah, I think it's the, uh, the the 12 total. I believe it's the three three punt returns, I think it is. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And it's like 10 or 11 games in a row.
1: It's an astounding figure. 12 non-offensive touchdowns. Uh, to go along with a very obviously potent offense uh it's impressive it it feels like you know it's historical actually um, i'm assuming um so yeah i mean now between you know the penn state victory and of course alabama just you know solid at number one obviously on a different level by any standard um we now have what I think could be, you know, the the CFP Final Four. I mean, Washington, as you and I discussed, they were going to get in there one way or the other. They got in there a few weeks early, in other words, before the Michigan Ohio State game, two teams that were above them. So now, uh, you know, we're looking squarely at what could indeed, and I know there's a lot to be football, a lot of football to be played, but you know, yeah. Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and uh, and Washington uh it clearly looks like a potential final four to me we'll see i mean ohio state does indeed play michigan washington has some games Uh, they all do clemson has florida state and alabama has lsu so not to mention by the way auburn wow (laughs) yeah
4: wow yeah. yeah don't forget that team to the east
1: oh my gosh ap what they did the other night was incredible um the, they're getting an iron bowl form. There's no other way to say it. And now they really, you know, knowing the intenseness of that rivalry, that, that, that's shaping up to be special yet again.
4: Yeah. John, when people think of Gus Malzahn's offense, they maybe are thinking about the football in the air, but really it's the running game that when he got that, when that, when that gets going, makes it so effective. I mean, 500-something yards, I think, with SEC record. I mean, in this day and age, I mean, it's not the wishbone era. This is the past happy time in college football, and they're rushing for 500-plus yards against a conference, a a good conference team. Oh, no doubt. Alabama, quite a ball game, you know.
1: Arkansas, for sure, for sure. That was just uh, really amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, Yet another fascinating end of the season. Of course, a lot of people are saying that, you know, Ohio State's not dead yet. You know, these conference championship games just uh, mean so much and rightfully so that, you know, uh, if Ohio State beats Michigan, then went beats whomever, especially if it's an undefeated Nebraska team in the uh, championship, conference championship, uh, you know, they're right back in it. And in fact, a lot of people are saying, you know, it's a lot because the Penn State loss is considered quote a good loss. So, a lot of football yet to be played. But you know, my point is only that looking at these, at the current top four teams, uh, that that's what we could be looking at. Put it this way.
4: Yeah, that'd be a good four: Clemson, yep. Michigan, Washington from the Pac-12. Uh, that, that'd be be nice to have those teams in the in the final four. Some some new new faces, right? And some coaches that have good good reputations, uh, Jim Harbaugh and Chris Peterson of Washington. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd welcome those four.
1: Yes, well, as, as you know, the two of us covering college football so closely and, you know, the semifinals and the national championship, I mean... Put me down as wanting Jim Michigan to make it because uh, I'd love to see Jim Harbaugh because he's so entertaining. I mean, right, right now, there's nobody I'd rather go, you know, cover a press conference of than Jim Harbaugh. Number one.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I agree. Not yeah, a doubt. He's, yeah, he's
4: opinionated and he's, he speaks from the heart. And uh, it's always entertaining.
1: Yes. And now he's wearing the glasses they're right out of the 1960s (laughs) and uh, you know they're kind of like the ones my father wore and many many others people's father wore and uh, yeah he's just hilarious and then just to close out the segment did you see the highlight of that formation he did the ultimate eye formation it was literally the center and ten players lined up behind him in a row
4: I did, John. I've never seen it in my entire life.
1: Never. Exactly. That's And that's why you love have to love Jim Harbaugh, period. Never seen it in my life either. So that was really cool. And <laughs> I, I guess somebody decommitted from Notre Dame, from Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, I believe. And uh, on, on the way out the door of, from South Bend, uh, he's a high school player, said something, you know, went, chose, decided to go to Michigan instead. Right. And I think you said Jim Harbaugh is the coolest guy ever or something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think we can all relate to that, especially after this weekend, right?
4: Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, John, I, I was wondering, did he do that because they were playing Illinois? Was that the reason?
1: I'm not sure. Yeah. I, the
4: ultimate eye, right, against Indiana and Illinois. Oh, you...
1: You're right. Good. Sorry, I didn't pick that up. Good one. <laughs>
4: I don't know.
1: Who knows how, you know? If you and I figured out how Jim Harbaugh's mind worked, we'd be the first two, that's for sure.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> well, AP, uh, good segment. Uh, we still have lots more to get to on the college football front, but why don't we take our break? And we'll get to that after this break.
0: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, you shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
3: Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lassiter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's one 346 9144 Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Where's America, listeners? Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., on Saturday night, uh, well, I was watching. You, you were handling post-game Alabama game coverage, and I was glued to the Penn State-Ohio State game. And when I had a moment, I was, of course, flipping over to check out the Cubs in Wrigley Field. But unfortunately, what I wasn't able to do uh, was watch any of that Texas Tech-Oklahoma game, which was really one for the ages uh, by any standard. Final score, if I'm not mistaken, 66-59, and each team had 850 yards of total offense, exactly the same number, Uh, quite the coincidence. And Baker Mayfield had, I believe, seven touchdown passes, and on and on and on. This was a record-breaker by any standard.
4: Yeah, John, I mean, it, it really was like, like watching basketball on a football field. I mean, back and forth. and it, I mean, the last team standing who had the ball won the game, I guess.
1: Correct. Yeah, exactly. I uh, think it went into overtime, if not more than one overtime. And... Uh, you know, just, again, too bad. I mean, I wish I would have DVR'd it. I usually do. I usually DVR like every college game just in case. And, again, Saturday night was so consuming that I just didn't get to it. But uh, saw a lot of the highlights, saw the statistics, of course. Uh, and that, that that's Big 12 football these days. Uh, and, by the way, speaking of the Big 12, West Virginia uh, dispatched TCU in, in fairly easy fashion for them, something like thirty-one to ten. Uh, so they're still undefeated, uh, and the Mountaineers are starting to uh, turn a few heads. So, as always, a lot going on in the Big Twelve. Charlie Strong, it was nothing new here, but he's remains under fire. And uh, but I want that leads into a subject that uh, you and I are a little overdue to discuss, since we discussed it often before. Uh, a few weeks back, a month or two ago, uh, the Big 12 deciding not to expand. I was shocked by that.
4: Yeah, John, they went through so many machinations and studies and interviewing all these potential schools and institutions, and then to finally end up staying pad. It was really astonishing. I just, I didn't, I wasn't sure. The re- I'm not still not sure the reason why, uh, but. The, the Big 12, they just they need they need some probably stronger leadership over there, you know, someone to just grab a hold of everybody and say, look, we got to speak as one voice as well. I mean, it, too many things are being said, I think, before the final decision.
1: Yes, I'm not sure either, uh, you know, which is the worst thing you can say. Like, I, I've seen some reasons put out there, what have you, from the Big 12, but none of them seems to really capture the essence of, what had to, what must have gone into that decision, you know, this one hits close to home AP. I mean, you know, you and I both cover the American athletic conference, uh, commissioner, Mike Oresco and you know, a number of their teams were in the crosshairs and it felt like Houston was just a slam dunk. It was like the day after they announced they were expanding. I thought like the next day they were going to say, you know, Houston's joining the conference. And then nothing happened for a couple of weeks for Houston or anybody else for that matter. And then they dropped the bombshell. And I, it was crazy. And I think, was it the governor of Texas spoke out about it? I mean, a lot of people were pretty irate, to put it mildly
4: yeah I know the Governor anytime a Texas school is involved the governor's going to have to say something maybe he graduated from there maybe you know maybe his right. wife graduated from there I mean so somebody he's, he's going to make a comment he's going to be involved in any type of shifting of a university to have another uh, conference
1: correct and you know I mean just kind of personalizing a bit because you and I do know and have the utmost respect for. Commissioner Mike Oresco of the American Athletic Conference. Uh, you know, when they first announced they were expanding the Big 12, uh, you know, this dominated his, you know, media relations, shall we say. I mean, he had to like, you know, he and many, many, many others had to basically stop what they were doing and just deal with this for a period of time. And they, I know they had an event Coming up, it may have been actually that football. It was. It was the. I was there. It was the, uh, you know, the media day for football in Newport, Rhode Island, in early August. And you know, Mike Mike had to you know address the Big Twelve situation because again there were Houston and a few other teams that were being targeted. It appeared by big the Big Twelve, and so he had to just put everything else to the side. It's all anybody wanted to hear was his thoughts on that. He handled it beautifully, of course, Uh, but, you know, and that's just a small sample of, you you know, what many, many other commissioners, athletic directors, on and on and on, coaches, and players had to go through, just based on the Big 12 saying they were going to expand.
4: Yeah, John, he's been under siege for quite a while, and, of course, Mike, he's a very professional person and's been through a lot of situations so he was the best individual to manage that whole you know whole um, thing that the big 12 was coming after his team so I'm glad it was finally resolved and he can get back to just making that conference the best one of, you know one of the better ones in the country
1: well exactly exactly he's done a great job uh, no one's better equipped than Mike to handle the media and you know in an issue like this, But, you know, at the end of the day, what we're talking about, obviously, is just really much ado about nothing, meaning a lot of people were put out by this, and and now to have nothing happen. Now, they do not play a conference championship game this year, which has been their big bugaboo, which has, you know, ostensibly prevented their teams from going to the first two college football playoff Final Fours. I think I heard that they are going to have a championship game next year, though, with or without expansion, um, if I heard that correctly. I, I don't know if you're familiar with how that's all unfolding.
4: Yeah, John, I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's either this year or next year they're going to have that conference championship game. They, they, I think they spoke to the NCAA or the the, the powers-to-be, and they granted them the ability to play that championship game even though they don't have um, you know, 12 teams.
1: So the Big 12 has 10 teams. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. right. And the Big 10 has 12 or 14 teams, right?
4: Oh, I think it's 14 now, John. I'm losing Uh, track, but I think it's 14,
1: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, well, no comment. (laughs) What else can you say about that? (laughs) Kind of weird. Um, Math is a remedial
4: subject in in athletics, I guess. I don't know.
1: (laughs) I think you're right about that. I hadn't really quite put that together recently, uh, those numbers and rather odd um but yeah he i mean uh, we'll see where it all goes it just appears that it's dead for now um but not dead f- for long I, I just got the feeling that you know uh come january 10th the day after the college football playoff national championship this subject's gonna uh re i have no doubts you know uh Soon after the end of the college football season, will be a dominant, uh, a dominant story, you know, for the next off season. That's the way I feel. We'll see. I'm pretty sure that conference championship game is not this year, but it is indeed next year. But I could be wrong about that. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's. Let's just you know, realignment has been crazy for everybody involved. Going back to you know. Boston College, of all people, I think they're the poster child for realignment. When they left the uh, the Big East, remember them, right? To go to the ACC, uh, you know. I'm not saying they were the first, but they were the first to really get the nation talking about realignment. There was, you know, feelings that still haven't healed from that one. As we saw Saturday with Syracuse, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see that
4: scuffle, but I heard it, it happened. Uh, and just to backtrack for a second, John, for the record, I'm, I'm not for the Big 12 playing the championship game because they, they play everybody in the conference during the regular season, and they have more of a champion than anybody.
1: Right. I know. I know. But, you know, not playing that extra game obviously affects the committee. As they choose their final four, I mean, with good reason. You know, I mean, these conference championship games, are they're getting bigger and better every year, no question.
4: Yeah, I just thought the committee members, I mean, that was one of the tenets of their formation was integrity. And if you're promoting that as your number one reason to have a selection committee, then you they're supposed to overlook many things. The, the normal fan would take into consideration and if you play every team in your conference and you win or you win the head-to-head and you're tied, and then that's a natural champion. I mean, why do you need to play somebody again? Whereas, you know, in the SEC, I'll just take that conference. It could happen to others as well. There there might be a situation if Alabama runs the table, they could end up playing Tennessee, for instance, in which they've already um competed against uh, once this
1: season. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, let's not forget in the middle of all this is, you know, in the first two years ago, the first ever CFP that Baylor and TCU were the big losers. They were left out. They were both very quality teams. And a lot of the feeling at the time was that because there was no conference championship game and they, so they did not have the momentum and the whole, you know, the very important, you know, what did I just see mentality, which is, you know, yes. cannot be overlooked. Yes, yes.
4: And, and, John, I remember growing up through the years with ACC basketball would have that that tournament. And some other conference, I mean, there was no SEC tournament. Uh, they had one years and years ago, but they didn't, they didn't come back until around 79. But the ACC basketball, their their philosophy was let's have the tournament. And we'll have the team that's playing the best at the end of the season represent
1: us. Right, right. And yeah, if you go back two years to that, you know, situation I was just talking about, you know, Ohio, Ohio State winning their conference championship game is, I think, in most people's estimation, the reason why they were chosen for the Final Four above TCU and Baylor. Right. Ohio State went on, of course, to win the national championship, so...
4: Right.
1: No better example than that, right? And it was the first year yeah. ever, so...
4: Yeah. yeah, 59 to zip,
1: beat Wisconsin. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, AP, uh, glad we finally got to that topic, because I thought it was uh, something that we needed to discuss, given that we discussed it often, you know, when when the Big 12 first announced they were planning to expand a mere, you know, a couple months ago, so... Anyway, why don't we uh, take our final break? Still have a few more things to get to, which we'll do on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice
0: America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine before we get started my pick of the week for appointment viewing is the Cubs Indians World Series you don't have to be a baseball fan to be interested in this that's for sure and because uh, it's sports history almost no matter which team wins but obviously the Cubs are uh, America's darlings right now and uh, they're both longtime underachievers until this year put it that way. Uh, generally speaking and AP speaking of underachievers there's been a lot of teams underachieving in college football right at the top of the list Notre Dame, Stanford and Oregon among others two teams that have underachieved in a certain way certainly Florida State with a couple of losses and Clemson although they're still undefeated it's not the kind of undefeated that everybody was expecting. So uh, he, some people are accusing them of underachieving. But Clemson, Florida State. Sounds like a uh, big game this weekend, and you'll be there, correct?
4: Yeah, John. I've, uh, this is my off weekend. I try to attend a game to maybe check out some Heisman candidates or potential opponents that Alabama might face down the road. So it's not very far, about three and a half hours at Tallahassee on I-10. And I'm looking forward to being over there uh, to see Florida State in, at home for the first time.
1: Well, that's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, all games in Tallahassee are awesome. But let's face it, Florida State uh, wins this game and makes their season. It, it just does. I mean, it's not the, what we normally attach to a Florida State. There. You know, they're going for the national championship or bust every year, like many schools. Uh, They do have two losses, and they've been the subject of that great Showtime series with a a look behind the curtain, shall we say, at Jimbo Fisher and his program. It's been awesome to watch. Uh, So, you know, and Clemson, they get over this hurdle. You know, you have every reason to believe they're going to be in the Final Four again. So that's just going to be... A tremendous atmosphere, I, I believe.
4: Yeah, John, I, I'm interested because you have to think that Florida State is going to be loose, and they're going to let it fly on, on Saturday evening. I mean, they'll, they're the underdog, and Clemson's playing you know, with that undefeated uh, record right now, so I, I can't wait to, to go over there and see what the, the plan of attack is for the Seminoles to see how they're going to compete against Clemson. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, I don't think he's had a, a outstanding game this year per se uh, compared to last year so he needs to have a big game on the road
1: yeah and it couldn't be a tougher environment to do it in right
4: absolutely yeah they're going to turn out and they always want to beat clemson because that's the you know those, those like the the two best teams in the conference for the last number of years and so that's a big rivalry
1: we have to be excited have you been to games there before
4: No, no, I I just have been over there one time. I saw Jameis Winston, his pro workout.
1: Wow, okay. I've been to the city of Tallahassee once, but I've never been to a Florida State game. I did, of course, check out the stadium, which was awesome. Um, But wow, so you have to be very excited. I mean, this is a huge game. Yeah, you know, not often do you get a chance to
4: see a big matchup on an off weekend. So I'm I'm thrilled that... um, I'll be traveling over
1: to Tallahassee. Yeah, and a three-and-a-half-hour drive to boot. You don't have to get on an airplane or anything. And nice drive, as you said, along I-10. So that's just going to be tremendous. Well, good luck with that. And uh, But, yeah, you know, we touched on, again, some teams underachieving this year. Uh, we also have some overachievers. Uh, Washington, Washington. Um, I've watched them. I watched them beat up Stanford a couple of Friday nights ago, and that was just like, that got my and everybody else's attention in a hurry. And then they just followed it up by beating up on Oregon, correct?
4: Yeah, John. I mean, you had to think that Chris Peterson coming over from Boise, um, he's a good coach. You were just wondering how long would it take him to be competing for a championship in that league and also on the national stage so he he's an excellent uh, coach, and he's got some speed on that team. And anytime you have that as as part of your your talent level, you, you can you can play with anyone across the country.
1: Correct, correct. Well, I think it's great. I've always liked the Huskies. Yeah, that, that that stadium sitting on Puget Sound is like one of the most beautiful settings for a stadium in the world, in my in my estimation, and. Uh, but no, it's great. It's great. I've liked I've always liked them since the days of Don James. They shared a national championship in I believe 1991. So, uh, so it's great to see, and they've had some great players, as we talked about uh, last week. I believe Sunny Sixkiller, one of the great names in sports history. <laughs> Remember the defensive lineman Steve Emptman, I think his name was. Oh, he was, like, he
4: was great. He was great, John. I mean, that he little... he just had the unfortunate. Uh, you know, injuries throughout his career prevented him from being a you know, Hall of Fame player. I believe he he was that good.
1: He was, he was like the number one pick, or certainly up there, if I remember correctly.
4: Yeah, I mean, he'll. he'll I don't know if he's in the college football Hall of Fame. But he probably will be, but professionally, he just could never get get out of the training room. And he was he was great. I loved watching him.
1: Correct. He he, he was great. I don't know. Uh, just thinking about Washington, his name popped right into my head. But uh, Mark Brunell, another one. <laughs> It was fabulous, um, but yeah. Now, what other overachieving teams have you been keeping your eye on?
4: Um, I, I guess uh, uh, across the country, uh, I don't, I don't know if the, there's one that really st- sticks out in my mind per se. I, I would say, you know, John, you know what I would say? I would say mm-hmm. Michigan. I, I'm surprised that they yeah. reached that reached this point so quickly. Right. I knew it That's would a happen, good one. but. They're playing good football.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't think they were going to be undefeated at this stage of the this year. And uh, Jim Harbaugh, boy, he is like the quickest program builder ever when you factor in Stanford, 49ers, and now Michigan. Uh a team that comes to mind for me because I watched them over the weekend was Nebraska. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a right. believer that, you know, College football is better off when teams like Nebraska are, are in the hunt.
4: Right, right. That's another surprise team. I'm, I'm not sure the strength of schedule has been uh, that strong yet, but they're going to have their chance with some upcoming games.
1: Yes, and, of course, the team I used to cover back in the day and that I've mentioned even today on this show, West Virginia. I mean, right, I was really impressed with what they did to uh, TCU quality program uh, the other day in Morgantown.
4: Right, they're another team that can, can surprise and And, John, with the way things are in college football, you just never know. If you go undefeated, you come from those Power Five conferences, you're going to step right into the the Final Four. So I know West Virginia fans, they're very passionate and rabid, and that would be another team that would be fun to have in the Final Four.
1: Correct, and now they have to be taken seriously. Interestingly, they only jumped one spot in the polls, I believe, from 12 to 11. Uh, despite that victory. So I was a little surprised by that. But, hey, you know, they've got a tough schedule coming up. They keep on winning. They're going to be there. And uh, lastly, I would just say back to underachieving teams and Stanford and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, there's no player in college football that I was more excited to watch this season than him. And I know between he yeah, has some injuries and the uh, simply the team's not playing well. So that's been, you know, really, it's been a disaster. There's nothing else you can say.
4: Yeah, John, I was really hoping that he'd have another season uh, near or equal his last year's performance, but it just wasn't meant to be.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, Yeah, you never know. Uh, That's for sure. You just never know how these things are going to unfold. There are no givens. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, just, to uh, punctuated the, their final play is they were trying to do like a hook and ladder lateral. They were down and needed a miracle and, you know, they threw a pass who guy lateral it to McCaffrey. This was Saturday who basically just bobbled and fumbled the ball and, and that's how it ended. And I just thought that's kind of a encapsulation of the type of season it's been for him.
4: Yeah, John. They're having a tough year. At Stanford is. I mean, they 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 beat Notre Dame, but it, it's not been what they expected. And I'm sure all the fans are disappointed. The coaches are disappointed. The players and anyone who who follows the uh, the Cardinals.
1: Exactly. Way P. I think we got a lot in today. We covered a lot of different teams in a lot of different ways. Fun as always. And uh, thank you as always for your expertise. Well, thank you, John.
4: It's always a pleasure to be here. look forward to the next time.
1: Me too. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.